Rugby KO, a podcast that pulls no punches. We deliver rugby insights from passionate enthusiasts from the grassroots to the global game. Players, punters, professionals and partners providing uncensored opinions on how the sport of rugby can thrive again. Growing the game from the grassroots. Now time to hear from this week's Grassroots Gun with your host, Katrina Roxenham. Will Grant lives in Rukul, a small town in the Upper Hunter, and was introduced to rugby union when he started as a boarder at the King's School in Sydney. He played his junior rugby as a rugby league player in the surrounding league competitions offered near his rural home. In his senior high school years, Will moved to Riverview College where he played in the first 15 for two years and cemented his love of union. Following school, he headed to New Zealand and was signed to the provincial competition, the Mitre 10 Cup, playing for Northland. It is the second highest level of competition in New Zealand and Will is returning to New Zealand for the next season, leaving his beloved farming life again in Australia. I talk all things rugby to this promising young talent, his New Zealand experience and the prospect of him returning to Australia to play the game he loves here. Well, welcome to the Rugby KO podcast today. Thank you for taking the time out from the farm to chat to us. Oh, thanks for having me. You come from Upper Rukal in the uh, Upper Hunter region in New South Wales. It's a population of about 70 residents. Tell us, what do you, if anything, farm there and what's it like having grown up in such a remote part of New South Wales? Well, it's... um. It's pretty isolated, let me tell you that. Uh, we have to go over two creek crossings to get to home. There's a gravel road. It's about roughly 40 minutes from the nearest town, which is Scone. Um, yeah, we just have, uh, you know, cattle there, mainly Angus. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we just poke about there. Yeah. And you enjoyed it in your childhood growing up there? Have you been there a while? Yeah, I did. I find it quite unique. I suppose not, not too many people grew up the way that I did, I suppose. Um, all of my mum's family's from that area and I'd, I wouldn't be surprised if I'm related to all of those 70 people. Um, <laughs> we certainly know everyone, so... Yeah. It's a pretty yeah, pretty pretty good community. Yeah, great. And listen, you attended Riverview School in Sydney. What was that experience like and specifically the rugby program at the school you um, you played, you had the opportunity to play in the first 15 in both year 11 and 12. What was your experience yep. like in schoolboy rugby there? Oh, I loved it. I absolutely loved every minute of it. And I think um, that one of the main reasons why I loved it was because uh, in the first year that I started there in 2016, I was 17 years old and the coach we had there, goes. Uh, his name's Dane Inman. Yeah. And I think I, I, grew, I grew quite attached to him and I really liked how he ran things. You know, I, I liked how he kept us all honest and he was sort of an old school sort of bloke, you know, um, in terms of how he ran fitness and things like that. And, oh, I, I loved every minute of it. I loved how the, the school got around it. Yeah, it was, it was amazing. I loved it. Yeah. And it's a pretty special time playing schoolboy footy and you've got a big crowd there and all your mates are there watching, etc. every weekend. Like it, it's a pinnacle for some for their rugby career. Yeah, it is. Um, in fact, the very first game that I played for them, it was the traditional 
uh, Joey's versus Riverview rivalry match at, yeah. at Joey's. And oh, I, I nearly went into shock, you know, walking <laughs> out. We started down at the soccer fields and we walked all the way up and I felt like a hundred metre tunnel that we were in. All the boys like covered us and we, we emerged out of the darkness into like this this coliseum. There was people everywhere, you know, it was loud. I couldn't, I couldn't even hear myself think. Yeah, what a great experience, hey? Awesome. Yeah, it was amazing. But listen, in your junior years, you played rugby league locally, is that right? Yeah, so... um. I grew up playing rugby league in Scone. You know, there's a pretty pretty strong rugby league presence here. I was a, I'm a, always will be a staunch West Tigers fan, <laughs> and I pictured myself playing for them when I was a young fella. And yeah. I didn't even really hear of rugby union much when I was a a, a little fella until I um I went to boarding school and they didn't really offer league, so I took up union and yeah, oh, <clears throat> I enjoyed it just as much and. I suppose that's where the plane took off. Yeah, that's great. And so you're still playing now. So after you finished school at Riverview, you spent some time and I believe still are playing in New Zealand. What Can you tell us what yeah. happened there after school and how did you end up playing rugby in New Zealand? So after school, um, I didn't really have, you know, many things anchoring, anchoring me down in Australia and... Um, I suppose, yeah, I see everyone my age going on gap years and travelling the world and things like that. So I thought it might be a pretty um, pretty good uh, good experience or, or opportunity travelling to New Zealand to, you know, see a different place that I've never seen before, meet people that I've never met before um, and go over there to play rugby because... I've always thought the, gr- the grass is always greener over there, you know, how they play <laughs> rugby. And everyone talks about, you know, New Zealand rugby and what it's about. So I wanted to taste that, you know, that water out of the fountain of youth. So I went over and, yeah, gave it a crack. I got, I got introduced to the uh, head coach of the Northland Tunnifar, Darren Whitcomb at the time. Mm-hmm. And I sat down in front of him and, you know, just said, uh, you know, I, I played for review, blah, blah, blah. And he just said, oh, you're in luck. There's a club over here that would, might need a halfback. And that was Hora Hora. And that's where he sent me. And that's where I stayed. And I fell in love with it day one. Hmm. And you're still there. And what's happened? Because I believe you're back now on the farm and in Australia. So what happened uh, during COVID to get you back into Australia? So when COVID struck, which was about March in New Zealand when the lockdowns happened, um, you know, club footy and everything stopped, and then you know, once it started kicking off again, you know, I just thought it would, I thought it would it was a thing of the past. Really, we we're playing footy, we we're playing, you know, more to ten games with crowds. I got to come back to Australia after it because I, you know, I was missing the family and things like that. Mm. So I came back after the season had finished. No, I didn't have to quarantine. I went straight home, and. Um, Spent Christmas with the family and loved it. And I was due back in New Zealand around the end of January, start of Feb, and it just didn't seem to come to fruition. So I got pushed back until it's May now. Mm. But um, there's a little bubble of opportunity they're talking about now in April, being able to get back a little bit earlier, which I'm, you know, crossing my fingers for and hoping will come true. So I suppose it's sort of sit and wait, see what happens. 
Yeah, it's really challenging this COVID time. It's just sort of upsets a lot of plans for a lot of people, but hopefully you can get back sooner rather than later. But with your experience in New Zealand, what do you think are some of the differences between, say, New Zealand footy and Australian footy at the level that you're at over there and playing over there? Well, the rugby I was, I was exposed to in, in Australia was only really exclusive to uh, schoolboy rugby. Yeah. And, you know, there was a great hype around that and a lot of interest in it. But I, f- I feel like the style of rugby that, that I uh, play, particularly in the club scene, you know, where it is uh, amateur and, you know, it's still very freestyle, it's... You, you, you get chucked stuck from 18s. You get chucked straight in with the men. Whereas over here, I hear that um, they go into Colts under 21s. Mm. So over there, you you go straight into playing against you know 30 year olds, like blokes that know you know have a great experience in the game and know how it's played. Mm. So you get chucked straight in straight in the deep end with those fellas, and it's either you know swim or drown. Mm. So, but I suppose the the difference in the the way the game's played, um, I believe it's a very fast-flowing game. You know, there's been definitely a, a lot less kicks uh, in play, things like that. Um, the ball gets shifted very quickly. The bodies are a little bit bigger. But it's a, it's a, it's a style of game that I, I, I'm very fond of and really enjoy playing. It's very fun to play. You know, you get there on a Saturday, you know, you put the boots on and you're, you're, you're fit to go. You can't wait to get out there on the field. Mm. And a good standard, I imagine, not only playing against more experienced and larger, potentially larger, you know, men that are, have been playing the game for a while, which is obviously good for your development. Um, and hopefully they'd only put people out there of your age that are experienced that have played the level that you've played at schoolboy footy so that you can match it with them. But what a great experience to play over in New Zealand. And uh, I had one question around, you know, had you be, had some exposure to some of the more well-known New Zealand players at this point? Have you had the opportunity to meet some, to play against some, to play with some? Exposure I got to those kinds of players was through the Mitre 10 Cup, so through uh, Northland. And, you know, players like Rennie Ranger, who played for the All Blacks, uh, plays for the Tunnies and that, and... Uh, like there's fellas in the team. I want to just talk like about my position. Sam Knock, who plays for the Blues, and j- just being in his presence around trainings, you know, watching how he does things, I d- definitely believe that it grows my game. Mm. Um, and then when you go out to when you play a game of my ten, the level and speed of things is just phenomenal. And then the players like that you're exposed to, it's just incredible. So you de- I definitely noticed a massive um, step up the ladder in that regard and being around, like surrounded by those players and it, it, it definitely helps improve your own game. Yeah. You know, it's not something that you could really achieve on your own. So the Mitre 10 Cup is, I suppose, pretty much a post-Super Rugby season rugby, rugby union competition mm. and it's a provincial competition that consists of, you know, all these different teams that represent different provinces. So the province I uh, have the privilege of playing for the North Tunnyfar. So it starts from Wellsford, being our southernmost uh, district, and then it goes right to the top of New Zealand. Mm. 
and there's two there's uh, two divisions: the Premiership division and the Championship division. Yeah, that's pretty much the the grasp of it. And so, after the Mitre Ten Cup, what's the pathway there? So, what's the next step for you? Oh, for me, I'm hoping um, Super Rugby. Um, that's what that's you know what I'm aiming for. Fingers crossed. I just need to, I suppose, I just need to keep growing my game and trying to get a bit of exposure. But um, my ultimate goal uh, would be to play for the Wallabies. I'd love to represent Australia. You know, represent where I'm from. I'd, you know, it, to me, it would be me. It would mean representing Upper Rukul, which mm-hmm. I don't think anyone has for the Wallabies. <laughs> um, but to do that, I believe that I have to, I have to come home to Australia and play for a. Um, an Australian Super Rugby team. Yeah, yeah, that's right. If you want those international honours, you have an understanding around that the the Guido Law that they introduced. Um, yeah, yep. So, yeah. Although I think in twenty twenty, I believe it, those laws were reviewed and loosened where they could had the opportunity to have two players outside of that law be considered for those international honours, but. Yeah, I think um, I think your aspirations to play for the Wallabies sound like yeah, we need to to come back and play for a Super Rugby team here. Yeah, that would be that would be ideal, I think. But um, I don't knock the decision of going to New Zealand. You know, I've I met some blokes that probably be carrying the coffin one day. You know, they're my closest mates over there. Yeah. Um, I believe that I've grown as a person and as a rugby player at the same time. And it's like the old the old adage, I suppose, is that. The more you learn, the less you know. And when I stepped into that uh, Mitre 10 um, environment, I just I realised straight away that I know so little about the game and how it operates and how it's played. And I'm just trying to soak up as much as I can, learn as much as I can, because I believe that how they do it in New Zealand is the right way to do it, and it shows. You know, they're the most successful rugby country in the world, so I'm just trying to learn, I suppose. And what is the general vibe there, like, in New Zealand in relation to the culture around rugby? Like, I understand on the field you're saying there's, you know, less kicking on the field and, you know, it's a fast game and it's a style of game that you like. But what about the culture around rugby and the, the general views of rugby union in New Zealand? Oh, it's a very positive view and... I think it'd probably be best to describe it as a family-oriented sort of thing. And I'm speaking specifically about my club rugby, uh, Hura Hura. Mm. You know, it's rugby sort of the excuse to get together and spend the weekend together. And, you know, like after the game, for instance, uh, the other team and everyone's welcome back into the club room. The ladies in the kitchen put on a beautiful meal for everyone to stay around. You know, the bar's open. And, you know, a lot of the time everyone just spends the night there, you know, in each other's company and there's kids running around, you know, there's, there's yeah. the older, older fellas there and it's, yeah, I suppose that's the best way to describe it. It's the excuse to get together. It's, it's loved, you know, rugby. Yeah. A real community, it sounds like, over there, um, you know, sort of on and off the field, I guess. But, um, I mean, that's what people love about the game, don't they? I mean, what, what other – I mean, you move from league to union. What do you specifically r- love about rugby union, say, as opposed to other codes? Um, 
I suppose for me, the reason I love it is because it offers so much and it's a pretty dynamic game, really. Yeah. You know, you've got the scrums and lineouts that are only achieved by the big boys. You know, you wouldn't chuck a little fella in there to do that job. Mm. And vice versa, you, know, you wouldn't chuck, you know, a big fella to control the pace of the game and things like that. It's, it, it is truly the game for all, I believe. You know, it offers something for everybody. Yeah. And um, oh, I've just grown real attached to it, I suppose. You know, I don't know who I'd be without it. So, yeah. you know, I, I don't know. I just, it, it's like now, this is the longest time I've had without playing rugby and it just makes me on edge, you know. I need to get back <laughs> into it. Yeah. And so you're, you play at nine. So what sort of training specifically do you do for your position? Is there separate, you, you'll break into sort of backs and forwards and things in the training or do you do specific positional stuff? Yeah, so um, I'll do the training everyone else does, really, like the fitness and the drills that, can, you know, everyone's involved in. Um, but you'll go through a session and then you'll split into forwards and backs, like, which everyone does, and then you'll, you know, forwards will do their set piece and the backs will do their set piece. But to really, you know, uh, do your own skills, that's sort of in your own time. You know, not to say that we don't do uh, position-specific stuff in trainings because we do, but it's it's not as often. And to really get the most out of it, you need to do it in your own time. So, like, the after training or before training, you know, I'll go and practice my box kicks or drag aside the other nine or someone who's keen to f- for a few passes and things like that. Mm-hmm. But um, while I was at the, at the King's School, I was privileged because what they offered was a bloke by the name of Stephen James, um, every Thursday morning, he um, he took all the halfbacks that were interested in the school and he ran like a halfback, um, you know, passing uh, session in the morning. Yeah. And I I, uh, I put that down to, you know, I believe that that's my foundation for my game really um, mm. and for my, my pass and things like that. So position-specific stuff is very important, but you really need to take, um, you know, some, uh, what's the word, buddy? I don't know, a bit of... Initiative? Yeah, that's it. You need to take a bit of initiative to um, go ahead and do that yourself. You can't yeah. really rely on a coach or someone to uh, give you the tools to do it. You need to, you know, go and do it yourself. Yeah, do the extras and spend the time and, um, you know, make it happen for yourself, do the extra work behind the scenes sort of thing. Yeah, that's it. So are there opportunities for players in the country and the bush to be recognised and uh, sort of developed in their rugby? I mean, you're from a very small country town. You've had that opportunity, I guess, through schoolboy footy. But are there opportunities, you think, for aspiring rugby union players in country areas? Um, that's a hard question to ask because I don't really believe that there is. Uh, if you're just playing in a rugby comp, um, you know, as a young fella growing up, a rugby comp in the country, I don't know too many players that have actually come from that um, that pathway. You know, a lot of them come through that schoolboy system. So I don't, I don't really, uh, I can't really say that it's a it's a good pathway in the country for, mm-hmm. through the country competitions, mm. um, particularly in Scone anyway. Um, 
But the schoolboy, a lot. I, when I went to school, a lot of the um the boarders and that, all of them country players, and probably like a lot of them were the stronger stronger players in the teams. Yeah, you know. But um, to get to one to go have the have the privilege to go to one of those schools is a massive lift and and boost for you if you're aspiring uh, rugby player. Yeah. And so do you think that there's any major changes that come to mind that can improve that regional rugby to help more players get developed and realise their potential or keep players in the game? Aside from that move through to schoolboy footy, there's not, there are very few and far between the rugby union competitions. You have to travel a long way if you want a game at those junior sort of years, don't you? Yeah, and that's probably that's probably the um, the main issue or... or the, it, the other issue is that you're competing with uh, sports like rugby league and soccer, and rugby league has a really strong uh, presence where I'm from, and it's a good presence, you know. Like everyone, everyone gets around and loves it, but it's really hard for um, rugby union to compete with it, especially in the juniors. Mm. Well, fortunately, you went and found your love of rugby unions through school and now you're in New Zealand playing it and absorbing everything you can over there. So it sounds like you're on the, the right track there to, um, with your aspirations of you know, playing for Australia. Um, I, just, uh, I wish you every success um, in your rugby union in the coming years and let's hope, the world, uh, let's hope the world recovers from this pandemic and also sport recovers internationally. And also rugby, I guess, recovers here in Australia a little bit so that you can um, enjoy further involvement in the game, sort of both over there, hopefully you get there in April and um, and then, you know, if you decide to come back here and move on to further honours and spend some time in Australia. But, um, Will, I just wanted to say again thank you for your time today. Um, I hope the weather is kind to you in Upper Rukal and um, let's stay in touch and um, good luck with your rugby union career. We're loving the rain too, loving it, every bit of it. <laughs> Are you? Not too much rain? Oh, no. Yeah, that's great. After last year, we take as much as we can get. Yeah, that's right, I'm sure. Well, Will, great to chat and, um, and listen, stay in touch and good luck. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. No worries. Thank you for joining us at Rugby KO. Any comments or insights, please send to Katrina at rugbyko.com. For show notes and more about all things rugby, head to our website at www.rugbyko.com. We look forward to your company for our next episode of Rugby KO.